I'm Vilna Bashi Treitler, and this is Let's Give This Some Thought. It's a podcast about regular people coming together in communities of critical thought. In season one, undergraduate students taking my course on critical race and racism share their thoughts. Hey guys, and welcome to our first and possibly only podcast episode for Black Studies for and Chill to Race. My name is Andrea Gonzalez, and I'm a pre-political science major here at UC Santa Barbara. And I'm also originally from Palmdale, California. Hi, I'm Hadley, and I'm currently majoring in physics at UCSB. I'm from Petaluma, California. In this episode, we will be explaining how society and our government consistently holds back minorities, especially African Americans, condemning them to the bottom of the social hierarchy in the United States. We will be interviewing a friend who has not taken the class and gathering how she sees the barriers and explaining what barriers in our community and the history of these outcomes. But before we start, we would like to give a brief explanation of what racial hierarchy is and how it came to be. The racial hierarchy was created by German anatomist and naturalist named Johann Friedrich Blumenbach as part of his PhD dissertation. In his dissertation, Blumenbach expanded on his teacher's Carolus Linnaeus theory, Systema Natura, of 1758 by adding the Malay people as a new racial group, as opposed to the four known groups, which were the Americanus, Europeus, Asiaticus, and Aver. Blumenbach then ranked these racial groups based on their physical attractiveness, ranking Europeus at the top and Aver at the bottom, which was a big deal since no one had ever classified race during this time. And although Blumenbach wasn't racist, the people in his community were, and they were also readily accepting of this theory. And this theory can still be seen in the country today. So, without any further ado, please welcome our very special guest, Drumroll please. Maria Meza. Hi Maria, thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. It's nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here on your podcast. So, Maria, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, so I currently attend UC Irvine, where I am majoring in psychological science. I am originally, I'm also originally from Palmdale, California, where I went to the same high school as and met Andrea. I also happen to know all the words by To Fergalicious by Fergie, and I have a dog named Milo who is very cute. We love that for you. So let's start with the interview. Maria, have you noticed any social hierarchy in our country? And if so, how would you rank the different races in our country based on what you see? I have noticed that the social hierarchy has become more present and prevalent as of recent 
due to the recent protests and people's reactions to them. People greatly opposed to them have made it clear that they don't see black people at the same level. I wouldn't really know how to rank different races in our country, but what I have noticed is that there are still people in this country who believe in and advocate for white supremacy, leaving minorities at the bottom. I have also noticed that notice the privilege that white passing minorities have over dark skinned minorities. Interesting. Now that we've seen it in the bigger sense, how would you say you see these same characteristics in your own community? So I live on the side of a town where predominantly Hispanic and African Americans live. The high school I went to also predominantly had brown and black kids. So at school or in my neighborhood, or most of my neighborhood, I didn't really feel these differences or get a sense of an established hierarchy. When we would go to the other side of town, there were obvious differences in the sense that there would be a lot more white people and instead of three Hispanic supermarkets, they have an Albertsons and a Trader Joe's. And overall, it looks nicer, like it's better taken care of. Andrea, you and Maria both attended the same high school, right? Would you agree with Maria's thoughts on this subject? Yes, we did, but I lived around 15 to 20-ish minutes away from the school compared to Maria, who was about 15 to 10 minutes away in the opposite direction. So we were technically in different towns, so we might vary on different perspectives on what our community looked like. But you can definitely see the differences in the whites and the people of color in the community, at least economically. With the richer white families living in the big white houses in Quartz Hill, while I saw families who, by financial necessity, had to have multiple generations living in one house that at times was without basic necessities like water or heat. I mean, the difference between these two perspectives were sometimes astronomical. That is crazy. And learning the reason for that economical gap between the races really makes you realize the amount of barriers people of color have to face, especially the African-American community. So, Andrea, how would you describe the community you grew up in? Well, I live in a town which is called Lake Los Angeles. And it was pretty diverse, is pretty diverse, but I noticed that in the church I attended growing up, which was predominantly white, I was looked down on and almost seemed to be made like I was less than them. Obviously, as the child of immigrant parents, we didn't have a lot, and people at church almost always made snide comments like, We should plan a youth group activity where we go pick fruit. Know a lot about that, right? Or they would make me clean up after activities. But yeah, uh, my family and I always got condescending comments like that. How awful. Mistreatment based on one's background, color of skin, ethnicity, or culture is far too common in areas like what you described. Speaking of race... What do you know about any biological differences between different races? Well, there's no scientific evidence that race or skin color in that matter is associated with a specific gene or genome. 
In fact, the human race is more like one another than any other species. When compared to different regions, humans show no significant difference in their DNA sequence, and they even show more similarities with other races than between their own race. It's crazy to think that races are still being discriminated against when there is no evidence of a huge racial difference. Maria, what are your thoughts on biological differences between the human race? Have you ever noticed any huge similarities or differences between you and your peers, even if it's based on appearance, personality, or any specific traits? I know that scientists used to try to use physical appearances to justify their racial prejudices. I remember reading in an article that the Nazis would use the shape of people's head and use it to determine whether or not they would grow to become a criminal. They would take these innocent people they assumed would be criminals and place them in concentration camps. People have also used scientific authority to elevate the status of white women by taking the size of women's clitoris and comparing them. Black women were seen as morally inferior and unpure due to the size of their clitoris. Although it wasn't true, it still placed white women at a higher social standing. Wow, that is very enlightening. Based on these misconceptions of racial differences, groups believed they were superior to African Americans because of these racial differences and used it to their advantage to separate from the blacks while also showing the whites that they were at a higher place in the racial hierarchy by conforming to their standards. For example, in Chapter 4 of the novel The Ethnic Project, the Irish refused to work with them, the Jews reinvented blackness to be monstrous, the Italian protested for better working conditions by arguing that they did not apply the Jim Crow laws because of the color of their skin, and the Chinese stopped competing for jobs that many African Americans had and started to conform more to the white standard by attempting, and I say attempt because sometimes they're denied anyways, sending them to all white schools to prove that they were better than the African Americans. All of these ethnicities also shunned families of mixed races, not allowing them to attend the same schools as their children or shop at their stores. And now, after many years of conforming to white standards, the Jewish, Italians, and Irish are now considered to be white, with the Chinese raising their status from black to non-black. Also, based on the racial paradigm, this oppression of minorities was considered to be normal in society, as if society was supposed to function that way. This made everyone, especially whites, who encountered oppression of another group, react as if it was supposedly acceptable. This is a result of the oppression of the same groups lasting for centuries, so it becomes socially acceptable. Maria, have you ever experienced or saw someone experience oppression that most of society would think is normal? I don't think I have ever personally experienced oppression or like felt directly oppressed. Because I live in a predominantly Hispanic town and I go to Hispanic grocery stores and the stores I do go to that aren't Hispanic have a multitude of Hispanic workers or different minorities. I attended a high school with mainly African American and Hispanic kids. However, my mom has told me how her friend who owns a bakery 
has had customers be upset at her for not completely understanding English, even though it is not the official language of the United States. This also seems to happen often to immigrants, based on the ludicrous belief of some people that only people born in the United States should be citizens in the country. Thus, immigrants are discriminated against more, blamed for the economic problems of the country due to stealing jobs and not paying taxes, and are often told to go back to their country. However, these same experiences happen to African Americans in this country. They are blamed for problems in the country, especially economic problems, using stereotypes created by the white man during slavery in order to justify this terrible act. And even after slavery, they were still deprived of the jobs they already had by the Irish, Italians, Jewish, and Chinese, who were trying to use them to climb up the racial totem pole. And because of this, African Americans were not able to move into the new suburbs that were only accessible to the white community, making it very hard for an African American family to live there, since it brought the price of the neighborhood down. In The House We Live In, Episode 3, an African-American couple named Bernice and Eugene Burnett described their experience being one of the first black families to move into Levittown. They explained that moving in caused almost every single family in the cul-de-sac to move out. Then, the houses lost their value due to people not wanting to live in the neighborhood. Although, some people have a different mindset about how different races are affecting this country whether it's positive or negative. They may choose not to see color. In other words, they try not to notice the different races and ethnicities of others. Even though they may think that they're not being racist, they are actually ignoring the struggles that minorities go through. They think that everyone has the same advantages in life, where in reality, minorities have less of an advantage based on how society was structured. This is known as white fragility. Maria, are there any instances where you or someone else saw or experienced white fragility? I have a neighbor who is from Guatemala but is very white passing and has fully assimilated into the United States. When the Black Lives Matter movement was all over the news, he advocated for All Lives Matter. He used the struggles of other minorities to downplay the oppression African Americans have suffered in the U.S. He focused on the Hispanic children dying at the border, and while he meant to bring awareness to the suffering of other minorities, he was also downplaying and judging the movement. He didn't seem to want to acknowledge the oppression of African Americans, instead choosing to claim that we are all equal. That is definitely an example of colored blindness. Those people may also have a white supremacist mindset, meaning that whether they are aware of it or not, they think of white people as superior than others, such as viewing white people as the norm or their associated cultures as being regular. While these are forms of implicit actions of white supremacy, people also use explicit forms such as saying how white people should be the only people living in the United States or saying that white people are the best race. White supremacy may seem like it's universally understood as something that's wrong, but there are still many people today that use it to their advantage. Such as showing or possessing the Confederate flag is also a form of this, as it symbolizes hatred towards African Americans as it was used during slavery. Maria, 
Have you or someone that you know ever experienced any form of white supremacy or hatred just because of their race? I have a friend who annually attended summer camp and has unfortunately experienced discrimination based on her skin color. As the only brown girl, she was the only one assigned to clean the kitchen, dining hall, and bathrooms, which she told me was the worst since an adult camp leader who at the time had just given birth brought her baby to camp with her and would deliberately leave the baby's used diapers facing down on the ground to make the experience worse for her. Oh my goodness, that is terrible. I hope that your friend never experiences something like that again. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Thank you so much, Maria, for sharing your different experiences of racism, especially in your community that you grew up in. Thank you for having me here. I had a lovely time. Yes, thanks again for being here. We really appreciate your perspective. Hopefully this podcast will change people's views who believe that African Americans have the same advantages as white people. We also hope that this episode will encourage you to keep educating yourself on the racial topics and share your knowledge with the world. Thank you guys for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You've been listening to Let's Give This Some Thought, a podcast made by and for critical thinkers. Original art, Meditations on Black Womanhood by Vilnabashi Treitler. Original music, Brooklyn Pound by Taylor Music. And I'm your host, Vilna Bashi Treitler. Leave us a review on your favorite platform, send us a message, or write out a comment. Thanks for listening. Thank you.